Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode six of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the first few episodes of the show. For those who are listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history-style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to explore a particular place and that communicate the personal significance of that place according to the composer. And we typically end the episode with a short podcast, which usually comes in a variety of audio formats, usually a host-led exploration of a given topic. And recently, that topic has been the idea of isolation which we know all too well as a result of our lockdown experiences. These are the types of projects you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and all of them are produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in Comms 4501 Digital Media Production, a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. In the last episode, we listened to some great projects by Claudia Gleason, Junique Gooden, and Xiaotao Zhang. We have another round of great projects this time as well, but before we listen to them, we'll pause for a quick announcement by Taya Gogan and Savannah Platt. Taya and Savannah are members of the Communication Undergraduate Student Society in Carleton's Bachelor of Communication program. Taya is the president and Savannah is the vice president, and both are fourth-year students in the program. They're going to take a minute to say a few words about the Student Society, what it is, what it does, and if you're a communication student, how you might participate. Hi, my name is Taya. And I'm Savannah, and we're from the Carleton Communications Undergraduate Student Society, also known as CUS. So you're probably wondering what CUS is. It is a student society ran by students for students interested in the communications field. CUS hosts events, a mentorship program, and opportunities to network. Some of the events that we host are the Comms Annual Gala, Pints with Profs, Mingling Events, and Professional Development Workshops. This year, CUS held the first annual Black Communicators Conference, focused on highlighting the voices and experiences of Black individuals working in the communications field. CUS also has a mentorship program, which pairs first and second year students with third and fourth year students. I was a part of the mentorship program myself during my first and second year as a mentee, and it was really helpful during my first couple of years in my university transition. My mentor helped navigate me through school life, course recommendations, and was a friend to add to my network. I was also a mentor during my third and fourth year and gained valuable leadership skills to add to my resume. CUS has been a huge part of Savannah and I's undergraduate degree, allowing us to grow as students and as working professionals. CUS is a great way to get involved, meet new people, and gain soft skills to add to your resume. If this is something that interests you, be sure to follow us on our social media at Carlton CUS and stay up to date with our new and exciting events coming to you in the new school year.
As Taya and Savannah mentioned, if you're a communication and media studies student, it'd be worth staying up to date with what CUSS has planned. They do some excellent programming through the school year, and it's a great way to get involved with your peers in a meaningful way. Okay, on to the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and a podcast. Three projects in total. The audio portrait is by Yusuf Syed and is on the topic of home. The project features Yusuf's friend Moen, who speaks about the two places he calls home, Mumbai and Dubai. The soundscape composition is by Samantha Atkins and is called The Sounds of My Apartment, Ross's Boss and it features Samantha's roommate, Ross, who happens to be a cat. And the final project is a bit of a special feature. It's a piece called The Memory Clock by Kit Chalkley. Kit produced this piece about one year ago in April of 2020 as a way of thinking through the onset of the first lockdown. The Memory Clock is a story about a material artifact, a clock, that represents a world of personal significance, which Kit will tell you more about shortly. But the memory clock quickly transformed into something much larger. It became the first entry in a project Kit calls the Isolation Museum, which is a digital repository, a website, for people to share stories during this time of separation. Over the past year, contributions to the project have been made from all over the world, and it contains literally hundreds of artifacts. We'll learn more about it in just a few minutes, so hang tight. In the meantime, I'll let Yusuf introduce his piece, which is titled, Home is Where the Heart Is. The following is an audio portrait that I conducted with my close friend, Moin Khan, who moved away from his home. He specifies the difficulties he had to overcome when he moved from Dubai to Mumbai at a very young age. He also talks about the positives of Dubai and Mumbai and now considers both of these places as his home. One day, my father comes back home and uh, breaks this news to the entire family that we'll be relocating. We were all very surprised. My mom was really happy because uh, we're going back to Mumbai where she's been born and brought up. On the other hand, uh, me and my siblings weren't really you know, excited about this move. Anyways, it was a matter of a few weeks before we moved on to packing and emptying the house. And before we knew it, uh, we were at the Chhatrapati Shivaji airport. Now. Uh, there is a particular perception where India has only slums and there are um, a bad odor and it's a fast city and you know nobody really stops for anybody. It's very similar to New York. Uh, so initially it took us a while to realize that we're already here and our lives have uh, not stopped uh, anywhere. We are continuing this journey. Uh, we've been put uh, in newer schools. 
our lives were already here we were already in the middle of uh, putting our furniture together and uh, going to schools and start making new friends and it was tough because i started missing my friends and my family my friends are my family and um, i realized that bombay is not that bad um, you know there are some things about bombay just like dubai uh, you know when we Uh, when i think about the by i get this nostalgia when i have this ornament seed ring or you know i used to go to the gaming parlors with my friends to hang out um same way in bombay you know there are uh, certain things i would do it, it's a city with a lot of heart there are people are very helpful uh, thousands of people come every day to uh, pursue their dreams it's uh, actually called the city of dreams just like new york city uh, it's a really fast city they say people don't wait for each other but if someone's uh, stumbling or falling there will be 10 people to give you that hand so it's not that bad of a city um yeah i think uh, in most cases someone say, talks about home i believe they say home in a more of a singular sense but for me it's a plural i have two homes mumbai and dubai Here is my soundscape composition called The Sounds of My Apartment. Ross is boss. When I proposed my soundscape composition idea in the forum discussion, Professor Andrasani noted, "Sonically, I imagine you being the sound maker in much of the piece. You'll play the starring role just as you do in your everyday space." I kept this in mind as I began recording the sounds of my home. However, I quickly realized that it would be nearly impossible to record the sounds of my space without catching noises from my roommate's cat. Ross in the background of every clip. Ross is the noisiest cat I have ever met, but this quality has grown on me. I came to the conclusion that I do not, in fact, play this starring role in my everyday space. Ross does. So, this soundscape composition is an ode to him, his noises, and how I imagine he interprets our apartment. I wish I could tell you that these sounds are natural, but this is the sound of my sunrise alarm clock. This repetitive loop of bird sounds has often found its way into my dreams when I'm just not ready to wake up. My ideal morning routine sounds something like this. Pull back the curtains. Turn on the lamps. Candle. And of course, iced coffee. I usually try to be pretty quiet in the morning so that I don't wake up my roommate, but I can't pretend like I'm the dominant sound maker in this apartment. He is. Meet Ross, my roommate's cat. Ross is often stressed out, as you can probably hear. We have noisy upstairs neighbors, the sounds of which have given Ross an anxiety disorder. To me, my morning shower sounds like this.
but to Ross, it sounds like a closed door. Ross doesn't like closed doors. If I accidentally close my door at night, I'll hear about it from Ross. Even if I'm in class. And the sounds of me getting ready to go to the grocerieria with my roommate have become cues to Ross that he is about to be alone. Ross rarely allows for a quiet moment at our apartment. But it's not all bad. He loves to snuggle and purr. He often sniffs my head to see if I'm sleeping or not. He loves to play and scratch his cat tower. My apartment would be way too quiet without Sweet Ross and all his noise. The final piece in this episode is The Memory Clock, developed almost exactly one year ago by Kit Chalkley. But before we listen to it, we'll listen to a reflection that Kit developed more recently. It's a sort of look back at the making of The Memory Clock and its evolution into their larger project, the Isolation Museum. Over the next few minutes, Kit talks about how the project came about, what it meant at the time, and how it's evolved since then. I couldn't be happier that Kit took the time to share these thoughts with us and these insights into the many ways that one can listen and find meaning in environmental sound. So thank you, Kit. And I hope you, the listeners, enjoy the project. I took Dr. Adrasani's digital media production class in the winter semester of 2020. And just as the semester was coming to an end, Ottawa went into lockdown and we were left to complete the course from home. And so suddenly I found myself cut off from the many places I wanted to explore with my field recorder for my final project. And although this seemed like a limitation at the time, it ended up prompting the Isolation Museum, a project with contributors from all over the world and something that has encouraged social connections I otherwise would never have made while in lockdown. But it all started with my recorder in hand, collecting the sounds I could find from within my own home. And I thought I knew all the intimate sounds of my apartment, despite not being home very often before lockdown. There's a drippy bathtub faucet, the hum of the refrigerator, the traffic noises that found their way in even when the windows were closed, um, my neighbor's television blaring through our shared wall. But the more time I spent in my home during lockdown, the more I noticed other little noises, and the way that these sounds were all connected to other places and people. Some were infrastructural connections, like the noises of waterways, of electrical grids, and city streets, and the shared walls of an apartment complex. But in other cases, these sounds also represented sentimental connections, 
And it's the latter that I found particularly interesting. And it's what led me to focus my final project on the sounds of the clock hanging in my front of the hall. My sister made this clock from a basketball hoop that used to hang outside her childhood home. And it holds a lot of sentimental value for me. So I decided to call her, she lives in Australia, and ask her about the memories that she had attached to the clock, as well as her process in making it. And the practice of doing so led to a brilliant conversation and a profound feeling of connection with my sister that I was already missing during my short time in lockdown thus far. So although she was halfway around the world and we knew we wouldn't be able to see each other anytime soon, talking about the clock together had us reminiscing about where we came from and where we each are today. So in a way, the clock acted as a bridge between siblings, between the past and the present, and between Canada and Australia. And I thought it would be really good to share this experience with others and encourage them to try it themselves and also to share their reflections. So I built the Isolation Museum in an effort to build an archive of reflections from lockdown. Here, people could share the many objects, people, pets, and activities that was keeping them company while in isolation, and importantly, connect them to others. And it seemed like this prompting was something that people wanted. Uh, much to my surprise, contributions to the museum began to roll in, and I had to approve each one individually. So reading through the submissions became a source of company for me. I met people from all over Canada and the world, uh, community volunteers, hospital workers, Scrabble winners, struggling students, family pets, and a whole variety of incredible artists. Some people began emailing me about their day-to-day -day lives, just wanting someone to talk to while stuck at home. Some shared everyday joy, others stories of heartbreak. And although I named it the Isolation Museum, this project became my very connection to the world as we wrote out the first wave of the pandemic here in Ottawa. Looking back now, over a year later, and back in strict lockdown, I think my perspective on what exactly the Isolation Museum is has changed. More than an archive of isolation, I think it's an archive of hope. The pandemic has been incredibly difficult for so many people, but many of the submissions that I've received have this element of hope and a continued desire to connect with others, even through and over pain. And looking through the artifacts in the Isolation Museum continues to give me hope, although sometimes this does border on naivety. For example, I've been talking about closing down the submission portal since last August, under the belief that we were close to returning to a quote-unquote normal. Obviously, that was not the case. And maybe this is a continuation of my naivety, but I remain hopeful about what this normal we will return to might be. Rather than resigning ourselves to the status quo, there's the potential for us to return to a new normal. A normal with racial justice, with fair pay for essential workers, paid sick days, more accessible healthcare, and better care for our environment. And while these goals can seem like high hopes, the pandemic has shown that it holds the possibility for systemic changes to happen. So submissions to the Isolation Museum have certainly slowed down, but I keep the submission portal open because we need all the hope we can get if we're to make this new normal a reality. Since last year, I've moved the basketball clock to the wall right beside my desk, and I hear it ticking every day as I work, one second at a time. It keeps going, and so will we.
This clock sits in my apartment's front entrance. It is beautiful in its simplicity, but there is something strange about it. If you take a closer look, you'll realize it's built from something unexpected. It's kind of always been a part of our childhood home. I consider that home in Trenton like our childhood home. It's where we did most of our growing as a family. And I just remember like so many afternoons and evenings playing basketball, playing 21 with dad or with you or with Derek. And it was just a very fond memory I had as a kid doing that in the summertime. That's right. This clock is made from the basketball hoop that used to hang outside my childhood home. That voice you just heard was the artist and my sister, Rebecca. She's speaking to me from all the way in Australia, so please excuse the audio quality. So when did you make this clock then? Where were you? So I, I came home to Canada for um, a good while, for four months this past year. So for about two weeks, I spent uh, time at Dad's place just helping him reorganize a lot of his things. Uh, it's getting a little messy at his house, so um, I, I volunteered to help him out with that. And one thing that I found in the garage was this basketball hoop. And he said that like they took it down, but they didn't want to throw it out because it had so much meaning behind it. So I looked at it and there's actually little metal points on the bottom of the basketball hoop where you connect the little clips for the net. And the, there are 12 points on it, coincidentally enough. So uh, we thought, well, why don't we make it into a clock? So I uh, painted the 12 little points there to, to symbolize the, uh, the hours. And I found some cedar lying around from another job that I had done for my uncle. And I, uh, and I finished it up and, and, I, and I put it all together. And I think it, I think it went quite well. Uh, and I, I knew that it was something that would, given that um, you and Derek, uh, my two siblings, live together, I feel like, I felt like it was something that would kind of connect us all over this thing that we had bonded over so much as a kid, you know? And it, 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 I just thought maybe it would be something fun to look at every time you go through the, your front door. I mean, I can tell you that it is. So, goal achieved. That's great. This clock is especially important to me, not only because of the memories it holds, but also because my sister is so far away. So why are you living in Australia? Uh, do you want a long version? <laughs> <laughs> so I got really into religion in high school, and I, uh, I was baptized into a religion that didn't condone uh, homosexuality as a practice. It was actually something that was very much uh, um, like shunned if you were to come out as a homosexual. So what ended up happening was after high school, I decided that that, that religious route really wasn't what I wanted. Um, and that I wanted to be able to love somebody, um, and, and come out and just kind of be myself and love what I wanted to love and be what I wanted to be. So I decided to do that when I was about 22. Um, of course that meant that I, I lost a lot, uh, during that year. I lost all my friends. Uh, uh coincidentally enough, I also lost my job because the, the place that I was working for wasn't doing too well. So I was, I was a welder there for three years, but I lost that. And I was at this point in my life where I was just suddenly living at my parents' house and I had no clue what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. If I wanted to find a welding job elsewhere, I was starting to kind of fall out of love with that too. So ultimately, I just, I feel like I had nothing to lose. It's funny, uh, mom actually suggested, she said, uh, you know, you've always wanted to go to Australia. Why don't you just, you know, give it a go, do like a little working holiday there. So uh, sometimes I wonder if she regrets saying that because now... Uh, two and a half years later, I'm still here in Australia, and I, I live here now. I love this place a lot. You know, I love the sun. I love the weather, and it's uh, and I love my woman. She just walked by in the doorway. Uh, 
as much as my heart will there always part be a part of me in Canada, there's also just Australia has a part of me too, you know? <laughs> to me, this clock is somewhat bittersweet. It's both a symbol of my sister's newfound happiness and also a reminder of those fond family memories. But it also seems like every second that ticks by pushes us further and further away from our memories and from each other. It's hard to forget that it takes two entire revolutions of that clock, 24 hours, for us to come close enough to hug. I never realized how important it is to have actual physical, like, printed out photos until I came here. Yeah, it's interesting, like, having you so far away. I know we have all these, like, digital technologies, and, like, I can talk to you right now, and it sounds like you're almost next to me. Like, there's a little bit of lag or whatever, but, like, there's something about having, like, a material item there that is, like, was made for me by this person who is very far away right now. I think so, too. It's, yeah, the more I'm at home, I feel like I've, I've definitely felt lots of different types of homesickness, and it's just one of those things that grounds me is just knowing that there are these little things around the house that do remind me of you guys. And, and as much as you guys are on the other side of the world, you really aren't that far away. You know, I know that you guys are always a call away, always just a flight away. Yeah. This basketball hoop, like I was originally thinking of it as like bridging time, but I guess it also bridges distance too. Absolutely. It can bridge, it can bridge what you want it to bridge. As each second goes past, even though we are technically getting further and further away from the origin of those memories, it's things like those basketball hoop or pictures that we see or, or things that we have around the house that remind us of those memories. Those are the things that actually bring us closer to the memories. We don't have to worry about time tearing us apart from them. It's those little things that will continue to, to bridge that gap. very much for tuning into this episode of the place of sound i hope you've enjoyed some of the stories you've heard and i can promise that there's so much more just like this in future episodes to hear them tune into ckcu radio every other monday at 6 30 p.m browse the archive on ckcufm.com or visit the website at theplaceofsound.ca